Hey, Harbor Covenant, good morning and welcome. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Uh, if I have not met you yet, my name is Jonathan. I'm the new student director here on staff. And uh, let me just say, it's good to be here. It's good to be with you. I hope you're having a good morning at home, staying comfortable. Hey, if you're new with us and you're joining us for the first time online, welcome. I would love for you to reach out and say hi. I'm also new. We can do this together. It'd be a great experience. Um, but if you're not new, if you're returning, welcome back. But also, you know, we've been going through this series looking at the Israelites in exile. And the Israelites are God's chosen people. Here the people that he has set apart and God brings them into a season of exile. And I remember, I remember reading these passages and I remember hearing these stories and just never once relating. Like, I just like, I don't get what it's like to be an Israelite. I don't get what it's like to be in exile. All this stuff makes no sense to me until right now. Like this season of my life, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think I get it. Because the Israelites, they left their home. They lost their friends, maybe some of their family. They had a change of identity. They were in a new place where they didn't know the culture. They didn't know the area. None of that. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's my life right now. So let me just say, I am Harbor Covenant's resident exile. You guys are welcome. If you have any questions on what it's like to be in exile, just let me know because I am in a new place where I don't know the culture, I don't know the people, I don't know the area, and I am on this adventure figuring and learning it all out. Um, so I totally get now what the Israelites are going through. And I, I thought it'd be really good for me to start off by just sharing with you all just a few of my observations about Gig Harbor, about this area, that I think you should know coming from the perspective of an exile. First thing that I've realized, um, your roads terrify me. I don't, I don't get how the roads here in Gig Harbor work because they each have one of two things that are just real deal breakers for me. One, they have roundabouts. And I know people talk like, hey, this makes traffic better. And I've heard locals and natives talk about it like, we, this is a good thing. I don't, I don't think I get it yet. I am only visibly stressed out. Um, I only feel like I experience more traffic. I'm only ever more confused when I'm at a roundabout because now I don't know which exit I need to take. Um, I am confused when there's supposed to be four streets and now there's like six roundabout exits and I'm, I'm just flabbergasted all the time. My wife and I are stressed out. If your roads have a roundabout, I am now visibly stressed out. And then let's just be realistic that somebody had the great plan of putting four roundabouts in a row right by the Target, right by the Costco, right by the YMCA where I'm trying to spend more time. And it's like Gig Harbor just doesn't want me to go to the YMCA and stay healthy. I don't, I don't get who decided four roundabouts was a good idea, but here we are, you guys have them. So that's the one thing I've learned. The second thing is that your roads have is that they have no lights. And, and this is mind blowing to me because as a high schooler, I never really loved horror movies, but my friends would trick me in going. And every time that somebody was on this very dark road, I would just think that's not realistic. Roads have lights on them. There would be something, they would see something. There's no way it's this dark out. And then I moved up here and at night, these, I have, there's no light on these roads. They are terrifying and I'm like, all horror films are filmed here in Gig Harbor. Like that is the trademark of this town apparently with how dark your roads are. So first observation about you guys were the roads. Second observation of what I've learned about Gig Harbor, which in this one really, really blows my mind, 
the amount of dentists and orthodontists that have practices here in Gig Harbor is mind-blowing. Mackenzie and I would be driving around and we'd be like, there's a dentist, there's an orthodontist, there's a dentist, there's an orthodontist. And I was shocked. I was like, how are there so many? And then I said, okay, you know, Jonathan, pause, wait. Um, maybe you're just stuck on a roundabout and you're seeing the same five over and over again. Um, and so I did a Google or an Apple Maps search. Um, here's a photo of it. These are all the dentists and orthodontists in the area. And I did some counting. There's almost over 30 options of dentists and orthodontists in this little town of Gig Harbor. And I was like, this is crazy to me. And then I was like, okay, well, let me just compare it to maybe something else that I use a lot. Here are all the coffee shops that I did when I looked up. There's about a dozen to 15 coffee shops here in Gig Harbor. That is less than half the amount of dentists. And I was just blown away. I was promised, hey, you're in the Pacific Northwest. This is the land of gourmet coffee. It's gonna be great. Fun fact, it's the land of dentists. There's dentists everywhere. There is something in the water I must not be drinking. Everywhere I go, there's another dentist shop. But these are just some of my observations as being your resident exile. And maybe you're showing up and you're still like, I don't, I don't get what it's like to be in exile. This series has been hard for me to relate to. It's not something I understand. It's not something that, that maybe pertains to my season of life right now. And, and that might be true. But I think another word for exile or another way to look at it is the Israelites are people who've experienced loss. They've lost their home. They've lost their culture. They've lost their identity. They've lost people. And humanity as a whole experiences loss. We've all gone through seasons where things change, where we don't have the same things anymore. We look at the world around us and we're in COVID and it's been two years. And I've realized there's this common phrase that everybody uses when I ask a question around here of, oh, we used to do that, but we don't anymore because of COVID. And then everybody nods along like, oh yeah, you're right. We used to do that. And it's this reality that as humans, we experience loss all the time. We've experienced loss before the pandemic, Maybe there were job changes. Maybe there were family members who had left. Maybe there were friendships that were lost and so on and so forth. But humanity as a whole, we experience loss. And that's exactly what the Israelites are going through. So the question that we need to be asking, the question that we want to be kind of tackling today as we wrap up this series on exiles is what do we do when God orchestrates exiles or God orchestrates seasons of loss in our life? How do we respond? What is God asking and calling us to do in those moments? And so I want to look at that. And to do that, we're going to stick in the book of Jeremiah. We've been here for two weeks. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. I would love for you to join us. If you're like, hey, Jonathan, I actually have no idea where the book of Jeremiah is, even if I had a physical Bible in front of me. I'd be like, don't worry, same. I had to search it up. Um, if you go middle of the Bible, you're probably going to hit Proverbs or Psalms. You're going to go a couple books to the right. If you hit Isaiah, that's good. You're on the right track. If you hit Lamentations, you've gone a little bit too far. Back it up a little bit. But Jeremiah is like right there in the middle of those two books. And just as a reminder, Jeremiah, he's a prophet. He is someone who is writing from Jerusalem to people already in captivity in Babylon. He is writing to them, encouraging them, but also giving them, hey, this is why you're in exile. This is what exile is going to look like. And then he starts giving these commands from God. And over the past couple weeks, we looked at how God has told them, hey, to plant vineyards, to pray for the prosperity of the city, to care for where you are. And then they land on this note of God being like, hey, and you're going to be in here for 70 years. 
the Israelites are called into exile for 70 years. And then we get to this part of the passage. In Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14, says this, And then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Okay, so this is crazy. This is what God is telling the Israelites. Hey, here's how I want you to respond when you're in exile or when you're in this season of loss. And there's this vast and incredible difference between the words that he gives the Israelites and the words and the promises that he speaks about himself. First, the Israelites. He tells them, hey, I want you to call upon me. I want you to pray to me. I want you to seek after me. And then after these things happen, then God's like, then I will gather you back. And I will bring you from the places where I have banished you. And then I will get the people all back together. And it's crazy how different these words are. Everything he's telling to the Israelites, funny enough, is all passive commands. He had to come and to seek and to pray and to call. And for him, his are all the active commands. He's like, I will gather. I will bring back. I will restore you. And I think when we get in seasons of loss, this is not how we want to respond. Our initial response is, okay, we try to pump ourselves up. And we say, hey, what do I need to do to get back what was taken from me? Like, what steps do I need to make? Where do I need to go? How hard do I need to work to get back that in which I have lost? And God for the Israelites is saying the exact opposite. Right? God isn't telling the Israelites, hey, when you get into exile, um, go ahead and elect a leader. Um, have them gather all the people, start this huge rebellion, um, fight back, come back to Israel, and then when you do that, will I know that you're ready to live faithfully and to follow me? No, he's like, hey, if you want to live faithfully in your exile, be there, and then pray, and then call upon me, and then seek after me, and then God promises to gather back, to bring back, and to restore and the way that I, I kind of helped bridge the two gap of how do we do as passive Israelites and an active God comes this word of patience. What would it look like for our church, for us as a community, in the midst of exile, in the midst of loss, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of losing control, that we chose to be patient, that we chose patience. I remember um, when I was in college and undergrad, uh, I actually went to school up here in Washington, but I went to school over in Spokane. And um, no offense if you're from Spokane, but that being my first experience to Washington made me want to leave. Um, I got there, first year was okay, and then going into my, my second and third year, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if this is it for me. I don't know if Spokane, Washington really fits with my vibe. I'm a Californian. This feels weird. And, and, and so I was like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. And so, um, but the problem was I felt very cold. I just had this, this feeling, this sense of peace, this sense of awareness that God wanted me in Spokane. And I had these two conflicting ideas. And so um, what I did is I decided to pray. And I asked a couple of friends from mine back in California, I was like, hey, I'm really wrestling with this decision on do I stay in Spokane or do I come back to California? Can you pray with me in this? And they agreed. And so we started praying together about once a week, just if I should stay or if I should go home. And then one day I get an email from my school 
And I was like, oh, that's a really cool unimportant email. And I went, ignore. And I swiped it away off my phone because I didn't want school stuff. It was like a weekend. And next thing I know, like I swear, like maybe five minutes later, I get a text from a friend of mine. Um, and he's like, all it said was, dude, did your school just get shut down? And I was like, uh, let me go check that super unimportant email I just ignored and I'll get back to you. And so I go and look at this email and he was right. My school literally in an email had just been shut down and closed. And I sat there being like, oh my gosh, like what's gonna happen? Uh, the school's gonna remain open until the end of the school year. But then after that, it wasn't it. And so they called a meeting together to tell us, hey, here's about what happened. Here's what your next steps could be. Kind of just giving an informational meeting. And I sat there and I was very conflicted because part of me was like, man, this, this sucks. This is sad. I'm seeing friends. I'm seeing teachers just like really distraught over this. And then there was this sense of huge guilt. And I was like, this is my fault. I prayed for a reason to go home. And next thing I know, God shuts down an entire school. And the only thing I was thinking was, Jesus, you could have just sent me the email. Like you didn't, you didn't need to shut down the school for everybody just to send me back to California. I'm very confused on why you chose this, this path for it to happen this way. But that was what had happened. And, and then I felt like, okay, school shut down. I know I'm moving back to California now. But let me just let me just stick the rest of this school year out. Let me just finish up strong here. And so I do. And it had to be the most impactful and powerful year of school for me. Like my housemates that I was living with at the time, we bonded in ways that I don't think we would have bonded any other time because we were in this together knowing, hey, this is our last bit of time together. Like let's go take advantage of the time we have because soon we're going to move away. And our school had this unprecedented unity. Like everybody in the student body was just bonded together. We made new memories. We went above and beyond in the events that we had because we're like, hey, this is our last time together. Let's make it worth it. And then the teachers, they taught with this new passion and this new love for the students because they were thinking, hey, this is my last chance to teach you these important life lessons, this importance about scripture. Let me teach this to you now before it's too late. And there was this bond and there was this unity and there was this great year that happened in the midst of loss because it started with prayer and it started with seeking the Lord and it started with calling upon him. And I want to pause because I know being told to ask for patience isn't always the easiest thing, especially if you're in a season right now where life has just been hard. Like maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's things outside the pandemic, but you just taken one hit after the next. Like maybe you really have lost the job that you loved. Or maybe a family member has passed away that you weren't prepared for. Or maybe there's friendships, maybe there's passions and hobbies that are just not around in your life. You're like, man, I used to love that and now I, I don't because I've just lost the hope that I'm going to love it again. Like there have been times in these seasons that are hard. And if, man, if you're here, let me just say I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for the experience. I'm sorry for the hardship. But can I also just say that if you're here, thank you. Because you showing up to worship online with us or in person is just a powerful testimony to the rest of us of what it means to be faithful. Of what it means to live faithfully in the exile and in the loss. So thank you. Thank you. But for the rest of us, 
man, I'm wondering as we go into our next season, as we go into the next couple of days, maybe in loss, maybe in exile, man, what would it look like if we responded with patience? Right? What would it look like if we came to God saying, hey, here's things that are taken away. Here are things I don't understand. Here's a place where I don't feel like I belong. And yet I'm going to respond by praying to you and calling to you and seeking after you. Why? Well, because the Israelites knew it too. Because we have a good and faithful God that answers promises. And the Israelites had a really specific set of promises. That God will gather them up. That God will bring them home. That he will return them to Israel. And Maybe we don't have those same promises today that, you know, everybody at Harvard Covenant is going to be great and happy and live healthy and great lives, but we have this promise of a good and faithful God, Jesus, who said, hey, I'm going to return, and I'm going to make myself known, and I'm going to redeem you, whether it's in this life or in the next, whether it's in here or in eternity, God promises that the suffering is going to go away, and that's what we get to have hope in. And that's what our excitement comes from. And that's why we get to choose to be patient because we have this hope that God is going to fulfill his promises. And and how do we know that he's going to fulfill his promises? Well, because we've seen it. We've seen it in scripture where the Israelites were in exile for 70 years and God said, hey, I promise to bring you back. And then later in the Bible, it says God brought them back. God is faithful to answer promises. And that is what we get to lean into today. We get to choose patience, not just because we have to, but because God's promised that when we do, he gets to come back and he will return and he will reign in his glory, in his power. So what is one area of your life, maybe today or this week, that you get to choose patience in? What would it be like to say, hey, there's this area of my life that's been stressful, an area of loss or of exile, and actually before I take a step forward, I'm going to spend 20 minutes on Monday just praying about it. I'm going to spend 20 minutes on Monday just calling upon God to answer and move. What if you invited people in to pray with you, saying, hey, I'm really stressed about this, and and I don't know what to do. Can you, every Wednesday, just pray with me for this idea, for this topic, for this scenario in my life? Because then I imagined, hey, what if Harbor Covenant was known as a people group of patience. Like, it was just known that we were content being patient in the midst of exile. And I thought, man, how powerful that would that be for, like, the new parents. We have a newborn child or one on the way, and they're stressed out, and they're freaking out. Like, are we ready for this? Do we know what we're doing? Can we do this? And then they just saw, like, a group of parents who are so content in being patient in the unknown. And they were able to say, like, hey, there's there's actually hope for us in this. Like there are people who've experienced this as well, the same stress, and yet they're patiently waiting and calling and praying on a good God. Or imagine how life-changing this would be for our middle and high schoolers who are stressed out because they're in the season where, hey, if I don't make the right decisions now, then I'm not going to get into the right college, then I'm not going to have the right career, and then my life is not going to mean anything to anybody. But instead, they saw a community of people content in patience, praying and calling upon the Lord, knowing that he is good. And they would just have this view and this vision of, oh, it's, it doesn't always work out, and yet my life can still have purpose and meaning because we serve a good God. Or just take the people in our city who are hopeless, 
who just have been beaten down, who are hurting, who need to have some hope. And they just saw a group of people who are like, hey, we don't, we don't know why maybe we're suffering. We don't know why we're feeling this season, but we are so content in being patient because we have a good and powerful God who loves us and knows us and wants people to know him. And the people who don't know of hope could see that and be like, wow, this is a place that brings me hope. There are other people here who are struggling and yet they're choosing patience because they believe so deeply in this good God. Harbor Covenant, what if we are a group that chose patience in the midst of exile because we have a God who we love, who loves us, and has promised to come back, and is faithful to keep his promises? So as we close, here are three questions I want you to consider and think on this week. One, where has there been a time in your life where you felt loss or in exile? Two, hey, how can Harbor Covenant be a place where patience is sought after? Or three, what promise of the Lord has given you hope in this season? And who is someone that you could share that with?